geographic locations. 100% of our listeners are from Earth. <laughs> what? Nobody, nobody from Uranus is listening. <laughs> Welcome back to the Deconstruction Brothers. And today's big question is, what if you were born in a place that had a different worldview? In other words, you would see the world differently. What kind of implications would that have to the way you understood metaphysical things, the unseen, uh, what we call religion, and so on? And to illustrate that, uh, the brothers are going to jump uh, a few thousand miles away <laughs> to uh, to a China. few thousand years as well. <laughs> In a few thousand years, that's right. We need a time machine. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would yeah. Where's H.G. Wells when we need him? Right. Yep. So, for example, or Don uh, Wells. You know, we can, we can go the Gilligan route. And just... Either way, just not David Wells. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. <laughs> it wouldn't be helpful. <laughs> Finding the buffet, maybe. That would be nice. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, So you may or may not be familiar with a, a collection. Well, I don't know if it's a collection of writings. There's a lot of debate about that. It may have been written in one setting uh, by a guy named Lao Tzu. And the first line goes like this. The Tao that can be told of is not the eternal Tao. And this, just the first line, gives us a huge shift from how we in the West typically think about the metaphysical. Uh, Tao, spelled T-A-O, sometimes now you see it spelled D-A-O, but it's pronounced Tao, just means the way. So the way that can be talked about is not the eternal way, which is huge because what he's saying is as soon as you start to talk about this, you're not talking about it anymore. You know, <laughs> mind blown, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, just try and wrap your head around that for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and how different is that from if you walk into a church, a synagogue, uh, or a mosque and begin to talk about God in very concrete, real doctrinal terms. Right. This is what you should believe. This is not what you should believe. To, eh, as soon as I say something, I'm not talking about it anymore. Right. You know, it's a, yeah. uh, so you can tell, real different worldview going on here. The cool story, a little bit of backstory on Lao Tzu. Uh, historically, who knows? You know, there is probably comes uh, from ancient tradition. Maybe it has some truth. Maybe it has a lot of truth to it. But the story is Lao Tzu is basically a uh, librarian. Um, probably, say, anywhere from 20 to 40 years older than Confucius. So we are talking, you know, uh, centuries uh, before we get into any of the roots of the Western religions. Um, and Lao Tzu is a librarian who keeps governmental records. 
not a real exciting life, but he gets to be known for his sageness. Is that a word? For his wisdom as a sage. Okay. Well, yeah. And at some one point he decides, you know, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go kind of be one with nature. I'm going to go retire, kick back and live in a mountain somewhere. So he begins to head west and he reaches the boundary of the Chinese empire at the time. And there are some guards there you know, to keep the wild barbarians out and those Mongolians and all those people out. And the one guard says, hey, you're Lao Tzu. I've heard about you. You're really sagey, you know, really, really smart. words, I know. <laughs> I'm going to try to see how many ways I can use sage inappropriately here. There we go, yeah. <laughs> and he says, this guard says, I'm not going to let you out of the empire until you write down really important things I need to know. So Lao Tzu, who happens to be riding on a water buffalo, which is totally awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's... When I retire someday, I'm going to get on a water buffalo and just go, you know? That's <laughs> my goal in life. <laughs> Right. <laughs> feeling very sagey uh, so, so he so he gets off of his water buffalo he sits down and he writes the Tao Te Ching and when he's done he hands it to the guy gets on the water buffalo and no one ever sees him again so that's how the story goes so Lao Tzu is this mysterious figure. There's all kinds of other stories that he taught Confucius some things. Confucius came to his library to do some research on governmental things. And so who knows, but it would make for a good movie someday. I think they should call the movie Seiji. I don't know. Seiji and his water buffalo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It, it could at least be a comic book, I think. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, um, the, uh, the Tao Te Ching is, is a collection of sayings uh, that are, it's not telling people what to think or how to think, but it's making them think. And most traditional Eastern teachers, that is the primary goal, not to impart knowledge into someone's brain, but to make that brain think and see where it goes and sort of guide it as it goes along. Um, the second chapter, I feel like I'm you know, giving the sermon, please turn in your Tao Te Ching to chapter two. <laughs> Are there sword uh, drills or no? Yeah. <laughs> All right, you probably need to explain sword drill. Okay, sword drills. Growing up in Sunday school class, you know, we'd get extra points for bringing our Bible, and they would do sword drills. So the teacher would be up at the front of the class, and he would call out a scripture and say, go. So everybody would rush really fast to be the first person to find that verse. And then you'd stand up, and then you'd win, I don't know, prize, or there was a contest of, like, see how many you could get, but whatever. Yeah. But it was always the people who had the tabs of where the books were that always won. Mm -hmm. It was like, you guys mm -hmm. are cheating. Exactly. Right. Because you had to hold the book, the Bible, usually above your head. Right. But so they would hold it above their head and look up and kind of see the tabs. Yeah. And they could find the tab and just be like, exactly. Yep. So they could find like Hezekiah 
you know, way easier than that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, fun with sword drills. Uh, we'll, uh, the name sword comes from the Bible being referred to as the sword of the Lord. Right. Right, yeah. We didn't Sorta. have real swords. Yes. <laughs> Which would have made Sunday school way more interesting. <laughs> way cooler, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, this is just a sample kind of, of of what would be considered. And of course, they don't see this as scripture like we see it as scripture, um, but rather as something really important to help guide our thinking. So uh, Lao Tzu writes, it's a little bit saddle sore, you know, but he sits down and he writes, when, when the people of the world all know beauty as beauty, there arises a recognition of ugliness. Or when they all know the good as good, there arises the recognition of evil. And traditionally, especially in Taoist or, or Buddhist cultures, a teacher would say something like this, and there would be times of silence to reflect on it, lots of discussion. Uh, maybe some the students would argue with each other over what they felt the teacher really meant by that. Uh, so. Uh, very different than growing up in Catholic school, you know, right. or <laughs> school where this you memorize this, you know. Yeah. So, but it, you know, it makes sense. Once everybody has a concept of beauty, there naturally arises ugliness, right? right. Things that doesn't measure up to beauty or things that don't measure up to good. Well, and that's where the whole yin and yang thing kind of comes from, right? Exactly. Yes. If there's one, then there must be like my Facebook post today. If there's phony baloney, then there must exist authentic baloney. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Which I'd be afraid to taste that. Yeah, yeah. 100% Italy, authentic baloney. Baloney. I hear in Italy it's really good. Yeah. The authentic baloney. The authentic baloney. I know the soccer club from Bologna is not very good. <laughs> no. But maybe they eat too much of it. <laughs> no, Can't no. play. Too much below. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes on to say, because there's this word I want to get to that's really, really important in understanding this this uh, Taoist Eastern worldview. Uh, so he says that being and non-being produce each other. Okay, so this is the whole yin-yang thing. Difficult and easy complement each other. Long and short contrast each other. High and low distinguish each other sound and voice harmonize with each other, front and back follow each other. Therefore, the sage, our word of the day, manages affairs without action. And the word for this was the word Wu Wei. Wu Wei. W, yeah, Wu Wei, W-U-W-E-I. And it means action without action. Preach. Exactly. <laughs> so think about that for a while. Yeah. How do you how do you do action without action? It's the it's ultimate so, in letting go. Yeah. It is. And I and I think that you know this this sort of philosophy was uh, super influential in me in dealing with anxiety because anxiety is like oh you know everybody's trying to control what I'm doing blah 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 and then. 
I think it was Alan Watts, and I can't believe this is the first time we've mentioned his name in this episode. No, we're that far um, in. It has come up. He said, uh, you know, essentially, when the first thing you do when you're learning to swim is to let go. You can't swim by, you know, grabbing the waves. They teach you how to float first. So you lay back and you float. You become one with the water, and that's how you deal with it. And that's just something that has stuck with me forever. Because when I feel that anxiety starting to build up inside of me, it's just like, I'm not really in control anyway. So <laughs> just kind of yeah. go with it. Exactly. The, um, the idea is not just lay in your bed and not do anything, you know, as no action. Although I would love for it to be that. Yeah. Don't go full Brian Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's the idea of, of not having to force action. Right. Uh, but it always goes back to the water analogy. Right. Um, and in chapter eight is where he gets in. He says the best man or woman, you know, in a generic sense, is like water. Water is good. It benefits all things and does not compete with them. It dwells in lowly places that all disdain. And that is why it is so near to Tao or so near to the way. And the old analogy is, if there's a big boulder in the middle of the river, uh, the water, you know, has to change its path, right? It doesn't just stop at this rock and be like, traffic hey, jam. get this rock traffic out of jam. here, right? <laughs> Can't believe this stupid rock. Um, but rather, it just starts, it goes around it. And what happens? Over time, it wears the rock down yeah. and the rock is gone. You know, so it's that whole idea of of just going. Literally, that's where the phrase "going with the flow" comes from. Right. You know, there's these Taoist roots, and I can't imagine our good friends, the fundamentalists, <laughs> you know, sitting at their conference. You know, reading the Tao Te Ching. No, and being like, "But, but, what do they believe about this?" You know, it's, yeah, <laughs> because it's inviting us to think. Yep. You, you'll see, which can be confusing in the Tao Te Ching, but then in uh, Chinese philosophy and literature, you know, for centuries, for millennia, you'll see them talking about heaven. But this is not the, the Western way of heaven. Uh, what it means is really a, a, the world of the ancestors who have gone on before. So... It comes up in politics all the time because when a, a region or a country was prospering, they would say the ruler has the mandate of heaven behind them. In other words, everything is going well because all of the ancestors um, are very pleased and so everything is happening good. But as soon as things start to fall apart in the government or there's unrest in the, in the region, People will say, oh, that ruler has lost the mandate of heaven. And then it would be an open door for somebody to come in and overthrow them. And if they win, then obviously they have the new mandate of heaven. Sure. So, so yeah, the idea is the mandate of heaven is when somebody is going with the flow, literally, with the way the earth is functioning. So this is very science-based in one sense. Because you're following the seasons and the cycles of the earth, and you're understanding that, that we are a part of that. 
Whereas in Christianity, and this to me, this is one real big difference in the way to think. In Christianity, um, both Catholic and Protestant, there is a long tradition of guilt, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah, you are a terrible sinner. Yep. Um, you need to get right with God. You need to go to confession. You need to do penance. You know all of these things. And we, we live in a sinful, awful planet that's all messed up. And we are just waiting till we can get out of here. You know, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right. you know, I'm trying to get to, to this place called heaven. Whereas in this thinking, no, it's like you are a part of this earth. To me, it's very in keeping with uh, Darwinian thought. Right. You know, we are a part of this. We have evolved from this. We cannot think and act separately from the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I think it was the great philosopher Janet Jackson that said, we are part <laughs> of a rhythm nation. And, you know, I just keep going back to that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, great, great <laughs> reference. I had that tape. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. no, is that the no, Rhythm Nation? What was the first one? Her big one that like in the mid 80s. Um, was it Rhythm Nation? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah, I had that first one. You know, when it was pure Janet Jackson, then she sold out. Yeah. No, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. After after she was on uh, different strokes, it was all downhill. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to sound like a Metallica fan there. Just the old stuff before the they old sold stuff. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rhythm Nation. I think that was our first one. Okay. Oh, no, the fourth studio album. Oh, okay. That was 89. Yeah. So, no, you would have been. No, I didn't have that then. I had one of the early ones with, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, if you're out there and you're a Janet Jackson aficionado, you're like banging your head right now. Be like, these idiots don't know anything about Janet Jackson. Well, we know that we're part of a rhythm nation. That's right. And that she was on different strokes. Yeah. Wonder if she ever had a water buffalo. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) She doesn't seem very sagey. No, yeah, yeah. Her brother may have had a water buffalo on <laughs> yes, his I'm, compound. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he had giraffes and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yep. So, go ahead. Well, while you look, just another one to think about. You had Doubt, control, didn't you? Sorry. Control. That's yeah. it. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. All right. Cool. Go ahead. That was way before she hooked up with Justin Timberlake and Super Bowl halftime show and oh, all that stuff. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was young and innocent. Yep. I blame Justin. Right. <laughs> so the Tao is empty like a bowl. It may be used, but its capacity is never exhausted. It is bottomless, perhaps the ancestor of all things. So just kind of stuff like that. If you begin to think about um, the the unknown or the higher as like an empty bowl, 
you know, that can constantly be refilled, refilled. And of course, Taoism sees us as a part of that. It's not like we are separate and it's not the Western concept of a God. It's more just, uh, maybe they would use the word energy, the energy driving the universe that we are a part of that. You know, and if you go back to Darwin and uh, Big Bang and the energy set in motion with that, you know, it, it, uh, it fits very well with certain approaches to scientific theory of our origin. So, sure. Yeah. Um, not so much with the Creation Museum in Kentucky, uh, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. So I, I first kind of discovered this way of thinking because this wasn't really pushed too often in our childhood yeah. <laughs> um it was probably seven years ago or so there was a video going around on social media alan watts what would you do if money was no object and he would use that with like his students of just kind of like you know trying to find what you really want to do or your purpose in life and everything and completely takes all monetary structures throws them out yeah. the window and it's like all right well, what do you want to do and i was like whoa, I never thought about that, <laughs> right? I got to do something right. to make money. I got to make money. I got to make money. Yeah. So take that out of that. And then I, I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube with uh, Alan Watts. And I remember I was folding laundry and I think I called you. And I was like, you ever heard of this dude? And you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was, um, uh, he's a British, yeah, he's a British philosopher. Yep. But his major emphasis is in Eastern thought. Right. Zen, Taoism. Um, if you're familiar with Carl Jung in the West, that's probably the one Western thinker that really influenced Watts. Well, he died in the early 70s, I think. 72, I want to say. Okay, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's worth a listen. I, I, he's, he's got this cool accent and voice and his way of, of talking. It gives you a flavor of what teachers in the east historically taught like um very very slow deliberate um a lot of questions he's got a deep sarcasm to him that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah when he laughs it's pretty entertaining <laughs> it is yep um yeah but he started what zen training in new york city like in the 30s yeah, it was or a long something time with ago. people. So he was way ahead. You know, in the '60s, this stuff kind of started to be popular in the U.S. He was way ahead of the time. Right. Um, interesting, though, because you know, with this, it seems like an abrupt jump. We've been talking about Christianity and the situations in the U.S. and then to jump over there, but there are some really cool points of connection. Uh, one is there. There's a book. Uh, by Martin Palmer, who's a great uh, religious studies, he's a British guy, uh, called the Jesus Sutras, Rediscovering the Lost Scrolls of Taoist Christianity. And it has to do with the finding and excavation, and actually it's still standing, you can go there, of an 8th century monastery in China that was shared by this small group of Chinese Christians who really had no connection with what was going on in the Western world of Christianity and some Taoist monks. And then later it was some Buddhist monks came in 
And so it kind of shares all three of these traditions and they all really did not see a very big difference between them because based on the worldview in the East, they took the teachings of Jesus and they said, ah, sounds like Lao Tzu, sounds like Buddha, right. you know? And, and they weren't, they weren't uh, creedally based, you know, on building their doctrine that you have to believe in Christ descended into hell and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and all that. But rather, they just took the G- teachings of Jesus as their guide for living. Sure. So they were like, hey, we're just like the Taoists. And later, we're like the Buddhists. You know, right. we're all trying to do the same thing. So it is pretty interesting that when the worldview is different, the outcome of the religion is very different. Sure. Yeah. 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 Which kind of makes you wonder as as the U.S. continues to, you know, do the things that it's doing. You know, that's why religion is changing. As the the cultural worldview changes, so does the belief systems. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very true. Did yeah. you see that article I sent you from? Um, what was it? I'm gonna look it up. Um, while you're looking it up i have some pictures of alan watts up and he is my inspiration as my goatee begins to grow again there you go uh yeah at one point he has the long goatee white like mine and he's starting to handlebar his mustache there you go yeah there's some serious life goals right there (laughs) (laughs) so this was just this week November 9th, um, the gospelcoalition.org did an article on the four causes of deconstruction. Did you read that? I have not read it yet. I was just like, oh, this ought to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. So the four reasons real quick, and I should put a link in the the thing so you can read the whole thing. But um, number one was people are church hurt. Church hurt. Church hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Church hurt is real, but deconstruction is a false cure. Oh, okay. We are the false brothers. <laughs> there you go. It's like, we messed up, but what you're doing is wrong. Right. It's like, right. wait, yeah. what? Okay. Um, the other thing is poor teaching. Hmm. That's, that's number two. Okay. And then the quote here is, Jesus deconstructs bad teaching in order to reconstruct good teaching. Uh, isn't that what we're trying to do? <laughs> yes, but, but, I, we're, <laughs> but we're wrong. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've um, been told that before. I'm good with it. Three, the desire to sin. If you deconstruct, then you can just do whatever you want. What? Oh. There's that slippery awesome. slope. Yeah. That's right. Idea slope fallacy. Of like, okay. Deconstruction uh, yeah. is poison, not medicine. It supplements the sin that's killing you rather than healing it. Wow. <laughs> like what? Oh, so and then we... my favorite one, number four, you're doing it just for the street cred. You're doing it because it's cool. <laughs> or your infrastructure is so messed up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're here to give you poison to build our street cred. Is what we've come across yes. today. So, yes. yep. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. What What it I was... think is is super interesting on this uh, this Eastern 
thought process is that it's never telling you what to believe. It's just trying to get you to figure out what you believe Yeah. in terms of asking questions or posing thoughts in your head that you had never thought of. For instance, what would you do if money was no object? Like you kind of come out of this. Well, no, I've got to, I've got to, you know, follow the the plan of like, okay, high school and there's college and then you get a job and you work there until you're 65 and then you play golf. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's it. And it's like, okay, well, what if I don't want to do that? Yeah. So. And, And it's just, you get, so, I mean, you understand, I, I, I did find that article and I scroll down. It's, it's written by uh, a pastor at a hip church, you know, and, and I understand that fear. You know, I, I used to be employed as a pastor and you have a fear of what if people decide they don't need to go to church anymore or worse, what if they decide they don't have to give you 10% of their income anymore? Right. You know, it's, it's a scary thing. So you see trends or, you know, I don't think this is a trend. I think this is an ancient practice of thinking that we're trying to get everyone to on board with. Yeah. But you look at this Eastern thought and they don't say, give me 10% of your income and I'll give you some thought provoking questions. (laughs) Right. You know, that's right. So yeah, yeah, you know, you could give money to monks who teach, you know, if you want to, or give them food or whatever, but sure, you know, you're not paying for a big giant building with, you know, uh, breakout rooms and a school and all of these things. It's it's simply a simple way of life based on consistent thinking. Sure, you know, and I'm not saying that Taoists or Buddhists don't have problems or have it all figured out, but to me, it's just if the emphasis is on thinking and questioning then it's going to be healthy results coming out sure yeah Yeah. so going back to that giving monks food um Mm -hmm. just remember that monks love potato chips they're not called chipmunks for nothing (laughs) (laughs) you were waiting for you're like where's he going with yep right (laughs) brace for impact (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so the yeah, well, there's the there's the story of the the uh, Taoist monk or a Buddhist monk. I've heard it told both ways. Who slowly but surely is giving away all his possessions because he just feels this attachment to him, and that they're holding him back. Didn't Jesus say so, that? Yeah, yeah. Sell you all know, your possessions but, and follow me. Okay, yeah, just wondering. Right, right. But Sorry, go ahead. Cap- capitalism. We need to no. <laughs> We have to yeah, interpret right. Jesus through the lens of capitalism, right? Sure. No, but but this monk um, eventually is just down to his bowl that he goes and he begs and he gets a little bit of rice in every day uh, to eat the rice to sustain himself. So one day he's down by the river and he's washing out his sole possession, his bowl, and the current takes it away and smashes it against a rock. And he stands up and says, finally, I'm free. yeah right right it's sort of you know sort of the opposite of what you know we would be trained to think like oh no why did this happen my last possession i can't eat now to hey all right i made it yep yep nothing left now i'm free yeah so it's just a, a very different 
you know, and, and I think to embrace a life of questioning and thinking has nothing to do with whether or not you were hurt in church. Uh, right. It, it simply has to do with, with becoming who we are as people, which is intelligent, rational thinking people and understanding how we fit in to the greater metaverse around us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think are, and a lot of people throw Taoism and Buddhism kind of in that same category. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think the main kind of separation between the two is? Um, Well, I mean, for one, Buddhism is is very structured and has different paths even. It's more more religious infrastructure than Taoism. Definitely. That was more of a, my understanding is that it's a philosophy and people obviously follow it religiously. um, Mm -hmm. But there's not that infrastructure of like, this is the person that's in charge. And then, you know, right. That kind of thing. No, no hierarchy, no Pope, no pastor. Yeah. Um, The, when I teach at the university, the intro to religion course, um, I do a week each on the 12 biggest religions in the world. So I have a week on Taoism and also a week on Confucian thought. And the main discussion in both of those weeks centers around, is this a religion or is it just a philosophy? Uh, Generally, you know, if we're going with the majority rules, most students with Taoism lean slightly to decide that, yeah, this is a religion. <clears throat> because they have monks and you know they the monks do rituals and things and then with confucianism they're like no that's totally a philosophy okay you know uh confucianism the only real rituals are uh, some things to honor ancestors okay you know ritual actions to do that which is sure. also very big in Taoism. so but buddhism gets a a real structure um, you know, especially the different types of Buddhism that, that develop based on the regions and governments that were in charge at the time. Sure. So, yeah, but we should, we should spend some time in the future talking about Buddha and that development and its, its impact on the Western world. Right. Yeah. See Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But Buddhism's roots are definitely in allows us understanding of the Tao. Yep. Sure. Absolutely. Even though Buddhism is a shoot off of Hinduism, which is coming from a totally different place. Right. Uh, yeah. The Tao plays a big part. Yeah. Well, is that kind of amalgamation of like, just kind of being in that same area around the same time mm-hmm. of ideas and thoughts that kind of become, yeah. Right. More structured. Well, it's like the Middle East with Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Right. have a lot of things in common you know, yep. And yep. from the region that they're from mm-hmm. definitely and modern evangelical and fundamentalist churches have a lot of things in common <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> even though they might have different denominational names on them or something they're coming right. from the same mindset the same mm-hmm. worldview yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah. well cool any any other Alan Watts to throw in on this one. Um, I think my two favorite Alan Watts quotes are trying to define yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth. 
That's awesome. <laughs> right. I and mean, that'll just make yep. it cross-eyed for a little bit, just thinking about it. And another one, you know, another one of those, you know, become the way and, and being able to let go is muddy water is best cleared by leaving it alone. Uh, I love exactly. That. It's just like, don't hey. stir it up. Yeah, yeah, right. When things are all messed up, yeah, don't go cannonballing in the middle of it. You're just going to make it worse. Exactly. That's when we woo away things. Yep. Active non action. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, th- think about it. I mean, how many times do you uh, do you make matters worse by trying to fix them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, reopen any history book. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, well, plus, at least for me, I know it's not the case for you. Uh, around the house, when I try to fix things, they always get way worse. Okay. Yeah. How's that bathroom remodel going? <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks to my wife, it's going very well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to me. <laughs> Way to go, Chip Gaines. <laughs> That's right. There was, oh, when I lived in Florida, I was trying to fix a plumbing issue in the bathroom. And after we had about six inches of standing water in the hallway, I figured I better call a plumber. I'm gonna call a professional. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I practice Wu Wei with house maintenance as well. You know, yes. active non-action. <laughs> non-action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, one more Alan Watts quotes. Quote: um, A scholar tries to learn something every day. A student of Buddhism tries to unlearn something daily. Awesome. I feel like I do more unlearning than, than, uh, yeah. than actual learning. And I think that's progress, though. Absolutely. I was, um, ah, my computer's being ridiculous. My computer is practicing Wu Wei right now, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, well, don't stir it up. Just okay. I was going to do my favorite. Alan Watts quote, which may not be Alan Watts. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I piss excellence. Oh, wait, that's Ricky Bobby. Sorry. It's Ricky Bobby. (laughs) We hadn't gotten Ricky Bobby in yet. So, yeah. Yeah, right. It is not a dollar proof quote. (laughs) No, it's not. Make a disclaimer there, right? It it is not. (laughs) Although you'll appreciate this one. I, um, I gave your niece and nephew the test. The test uh-huh. from trumporjesus.com of which oh, person wow. said it. <laughs> they passed with flying colors. Good. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. They were like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so you should check out trumporjesus.com. It's a test you can take to see which person said which quote in case you were confused. Wow. And it's I great hope everyone passes it. <laughs> and it's great because they kind of like similar topics mm-hmm. of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. It's, it's a real eye opener, so, as they say. Yes. So your nephew here, um, in his history class, their teacher gave them an assignment, assigned them, they, they paired up with somebody else in the class, and they were given two U.S. presidents. And they were okay. to research those two and decide which one was the worst. And then they, with that, they have a whole class debate to see who is the worst president in U.S. history based on their ability to debate that. Okay. So, so my son had um, 
George Bush and Andrew Johnson. Oh, so I was okay. just like, oh, so which one did you decide? And he said, well, since Andrew Johnson pretty much, you know, extended national racism, you know, for another century with his, <laughs> us, we gave him the slight edge as worse than George Bush for the Iraq war. And I was like, oh, okay, I can see that. Right, so yeah. next week they have the big debate. And, okay. Uh, yeah. That's so interesting. I, I kind of always went with Andrew Jackson as the worst in my right. humble yeah. opinion, you know, I'm kind of mm -hmm. biased toward Native Americans and what he did with that. But sure, yeah. 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 Although, you know, there are some some recent contenders that I think <laughs> need to be in the discussion as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think you have to give it a good, I don't know, 15, 20 years to At see least, the yeah. to see the real view of like how those decisions impact the nation moving forward. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I think the jury's still out, but yeah. Yep. And, and then a lot of times in religious studies, it's sort of that way. You get somebody who comes along, you know, like Lao Tzu, and, you know, here we are several thousand years later, like this guy is brilliant. Right. You know, he stands the test of time. Right, exactly. You, know, you go back to all these crazy cult leaders throughout history, and yeah. thankfully they're quickly forgotten. Congratulations, you have survived yet another episode of the Deconstruction Brothers podcast. We thank you for checking us out, doing some deconstructing with us, asking all the, uh, the fun questions sometimes you don't want to address. Um, reach out to us. You can find us on our Facebook page, which is uh, Deconstruction Brothers Podcast. Um, you can email us for quicker correspondence. Maybe not. Maybe Facebook is faster. I'm not sure how fast Brian responds to things. But um, that is deconstructionbrothers at gmail.com. Um, subscribe to the podcast. You can rate it, give us a thumbs up, share it, tell your friends all that fun stuff, and we will see you next week. Thanks.